Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Drive Through HR. It is Tuesday, June 18th, 2019, in case somebody's listening to this in the future or something. And uh, I'm your I'm your host, Robin Schooling. My co-host, Mike Vandervoort, is uh, getting set to board a plane, so he is not with us this week. Uh, so we're going to have a, uh, a, a a conversation just between myself and our guest today, and I am so looking forward to this. So uh, welcome to today's guest, Mark Fogel. Hello, Mark. Hey, Robin. How are you? Long time no see. Uh, I know. Way too long. Way, way too long. Listen, can I jump are in? You, uh... The last time I saw you, we were hanging out at a cowboy bar in New York City. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and uh, I can't and tell the details on the radio, podcast. right? That's <laughs> right. Oh, man. So how are you doing? Are are you uh, are you home um up in New York today? Yeah, I'm in New York. It's a beautiful 68 degree rainy day here. I think it's rained about ah. 6 of the last 7 days, but what are you going to do? Ugh. You know, hope yep. for the best. Yep. Yep. So, uh, since of course this is an an HR themed show, we like to start off with, you know, what what's the go-to interview question for people that don't really prepare for interviews, right? So um, that question is, tell us, which means our audience, about yourself, what what you do, what you've done, and how you've gotten to where you are today. Okay. Well, I am a former chief HR officer. I've worked with some big companies um, based in the New York area, Leviton Manufacturing, Markham and Success Academy Charter Schools over the last uh, decade and a half. And I have ventured into the consulting world over the past two years. I have a small practice. I do some partnering with some other folks. I teach grad school at Adelphi University. I teach human resources in their MBA program. And hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit in a few minutes about our next generation. And uh, I'm still writing and speaking on occasion. I'm, uh, am I allowed to tell folks the blogs that I'm on? Is that okay? Yes, please do. Please sure. Do. So I write, I write for Fistful of Talent, and I also do some work with Jessica over at Workology. So uh, for those of you who like to read blogs still, I know we're, we're on the audio version. We, we move from written right. to <laughs> audio the, the past couple of years. I've actually written about that. Um, but you can follow me on either of those two sites as well. And I'm playing a lot of golf. Got my handicap yeah, down close please. to 20 right now. So I can legitimately say I break 100, which I couldn't do up until yeah. about a year ago. So, you know, with with, with all the hard work comes a couple of spoils. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I am uh... – uh, the irony of the fact that we're talking about this on a podcast does not escape me, but I am, uh, I'm old school. I still like to read the written word. 
know, blogs are, while not as numerous as they have been in the past, um, man, there is a lot of great content out there, and I regularly read and consume in in that manner. I, I, I don't drive to work. And you know so what? I, I still I get my monthly um, email from you for uh, Carnival of HR. That's so right. I even That's pop right. some of my uh, writings up on that. Not every month, but certainly four or five times a year, I try to get an article up on the Carnival. And you're right. There are some great folks out there. There are a few, a few of us younger folks out there still writing, <laughs> but there's some great new material. So totally oh, yeah. with you on Definitely. that, Robin. Definitely. And speaking of which, uh, prepare, you're going to get an email today for this month's Carnival. So, cool. So that will be coming. Very cool. <laughs> So um, that that actually is a fantastic segue into one of the things that we know we wanted to talk about today, um, which does piggyback on the fact that you're teaching HR in the MBA program. But you know what's um, what's the future of HR? What's the future for HR professionals? Um, you know what what are those next generation? HR uh, practitioners and leaders look like? Wow. Well, they look a lot better than I look, I'll tell you that. But um, (laughs) on a a serious note, um, I I think that they look a lot different than I looked uh, 20 years ago when I started um, taking on senior-level leadership roles. And one of the interesting things about teaching at the university level is the textbooks or the material I use, because I find textbooks, quite frankly, by the time they're, they're printed these days, they're almost outdated yeah. Um, yeah. from a standpoint of relevance. And, but the one big topic that we keep coming back to um, in the HR space is data analytics. So when we look mm-hmm. at the next generation of HR leaders, the one thing I think we're going to see is folks who um, have a much stronger grasp on data and information and not how mm-hmm. to just look backwards with it, but how to use it to trend forwards, how to forecast and use yeah. it as a business tool. So, you know, I, I, I find that very, very interesting. And, you know, there are a few schools and there are a few businesses out there that have started to really get their hands around the fact that this is no longer old school HR or personnel. For those of us young enough to remember a time before it was called human resources, this right. we're moving into another area. So I think that's one, and I and I will say that there's a second part to it, Robin, and that is that where we've always vacillated back and forth over the years, generalist specialist, generalist specialist, is yeah. talent part of HR or is talent a separate function? Is training separate or part of the function? I think what we're seeing now is another iteration where HR evolved in the, in the late 1980s to what it's become over the last 30 years. I think we're seeing Mm -hmm. that next arc. So it's Hmm. still not, we're not there yet. I I can't pin, you know, pin the tail on the donkey and say, this is what HR is specifically going to look like, but it's not going to look like anything that we've seen in the last 30 years. <clears throat> I'm sorry that I coughed on the radio show. Um, oh, but I, So I think that's where it's going. I, I think that you're going to see a very different type of HR leadership. I think they're going to be much more 
business, hardline focused. I think they're going to use mm-hmm. data to make decisions. And I think technology, of course, you know, artificial intelligence. And I don't think we've scratched the surface on that yet. I think we're at the infancy of a different world. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the shifts and the changes, while it, while I, everything continues to be um, umbrellaed under HR or whatever we'll end up calling it down the road, um, I think that there's um, more and more of a delineation between the transactional the, the traditional transactional work of HR, which still needs to be done, and the transformational, if you will, work of HR. And so I think all of those, all of those people aspects, um, you know, so so recruiting, um, performance management, L and D, kind of slide over into that transformational piece, and the yes. transactional piece is sort of the you know, what everybody thinks of, oh, get my benefits right and get me in the payroll system and let me know how much vacation I have. Um, so I think there's those two parallel, very interconnected, or need to be interconnected pieces. But but I think that that technology piece and that analytics piece is the bridge between the two. Absolutely. You know? So it's... Absolutely. It, it's, and, and and I see that when I talk to, um, you know, contrary to popular belief, every single HR person does not want to be, quote, I'm using air quotes here on the radio, strategic. You know, we've had that, we've been talking about yeah. that forever, forever, forever. There are still some folks, and, and we need folks working in HR, who are content and excellent at, the nuts and bolts, getting stuff done, keeping the trains running. Um, and there are people that are content to do that. Um, and then there are people that that, that see that, uh, that transformation coming to be, because I think that that transformation becomes part of it. How, how am I strategic? How am I plugged yeah. into the business? Um, you know, and, and everybody you see anxiety. Some of that. those folks... Oh, yeah. yeah, some of those folks have anxiety, right, Robin? You know, because yeah. we need them, but they, they see, you know, I don't think it's no longer a, a time where you don't see the wave coming in the distance. You, you, the wave's pretty close to the edge of the beach yeah. now with, with the change. Yeah. So the folks who aren't able to jump to that next paradigm, they're getting edgy about, well, where do I fit in and what should I do? And mm-hmm. they're... You know, they're holding on to the life raft. So um, I, I think that maybe another five years out will be beyond that. But it's a little bit of a tricky time right now, you know, yeah. for a lot of folks who are older. You know, I know that we want to talk a little bit about age. And I, I mm-hmm. think HR is starting to feel even when folks are looking for senior executives, um, they don't – there's a connotation that the older folks don't want to get on the new on the new boat. Yeah, you yeah. know they want to hold on to the old paradigm. So, well, and, challenging, and, you know, challenging place another, to be. Uh, another um, another dynamic at play in there is 
how do I how do I put this? It's organizations are going to get the HR leader that they want. Um and so there are still, you know, down here in in you know, flyover country for sure, but this is true anywhere. Um there are still lots of organizations that are very traditional um old school thinking um and so the owners, CEOs, leaders of those companies are more comfortable having an HR leader that goes along, doesn't rock the boat, and that those owners of that those companies, those senior leaders of those companies, um, have a view of HR as being quiet, complacent, keeping us out of trouble, running the benefits, um, writing policies, and and right. I, I have HR friends who have joined organizations who are smart thinkers. They're creative. They're innovative. They're tech savvy. They are thinking about how to make work better or how to contribute to the success of the organization, and they're not allowed to do so because the organization and they're frustrated, right? I mean, and they're frustrated. Yep. Yep. And, and then and, you have the those, balance. And those people run the gamut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have the balance now, mm-hmm. too, because I'm up here in the New York marketplace on top of New York City and a couple of major cities, and we're seeing the techie-oriented companies. And when I say tech, I'm not talking Silicon Valley, but this next generation yeah. of businesses that are cropping up. And what's happening is, Typically, new businesses, when they go to market, they don't build out their HR function completely. They build, they actually start with their talent function. They have to get people right. in the door yep. to build their business. But now they, they start to, to build it through their talent, uh, and sometimes the talent is outsourced or they use, there's still digital agencies in other places they go, and without realizing that they are in essence, almost discriminating without meaning to discriminate. They're taking a whole segment of the population out of the market in the way that they fish for talent. So you have that dynamic going on. So, you know, you're either on one side of the curve, you're on the other side of the curve. You'd like to be somewhere in between the two, you know, and there are a few folks out there fortunate to be somewhere in the middle, but um, again, you know, so we're going to see a shift, but we're going to almost see a shift from way, way left to way right on the meter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which you know, and that that man, you would think we had this rehearsed because we're doing like fantastic segues here because that yeah. gets us right into another topic that we wanted to talk about, which is you know, and this has been going on from as long as I've been working. I was just on the other end of it back in the day. Um, But the notion, the overused phrase, the cliche of a candidate is overqualified, Um, which that's, that's a, that it it, kind of goes right into that. Well, where are you fishing for your candidates? And hmm, subtle code word for some ageism there. Right? Yeah. Wow. 
I, this is one that's hit near and dear to my heart because I bumped up against it from obviously we we've had these discussions off off the phone and yeah. uh, I've seen it from both sides from the inside and from the outside as an outsider yeah and I want to bring an analogy up because I've said and I've written about this in the past I believe that there's no such thing as being overqualified I believe that you're mm-hmm. fully qualified and mm-hmm. there's a fear out there. And the, and the best analogy is this past year in um, professional basketball, I don't know how many of the listeners watched the uh, National Basketball Association, but uh, the Toronto Raptors had uh, a star on their team, uh, MVP on mm-hmm. their team, who they had for one year. And they have salary constraints and other factors and there's a belief that in essence do you do you get somebody um for a short period of time that's fully talented and if you take that back into the workplace and you use that Uh analogy of well there's this fear that if you get somebody who's fully qualified or a star and maybe they're in a role where they can walk right in and do it very easily maybe they're making a little less money than they did because of whatever the circumstance and yep. but they might leave. And then the issue is, yep. yeah, but you know what? The year that they're there, if they do leave, you could win the championship because you have that right. person in that role. And organizations haven't, you know, and it's surprising because there's so many intelligent people running these big businesses and they haven't figured that out that the best case scenario is let's I would be hiring tons of these people. Yeah. The, the the worst happens is they leave and they go somewhere else. But the best yeah. is you have them, maybe you have them for two years. And, you know, maybe they do s- such a good job that you figure out a role to put them in after two years. And then mm-hmm. everybody's happy. It's a win-win. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's a lot of theories behind that, Robin, and, you know, certainly I mean, what are your thoughts about why so many organizations are afraid to hire that fully qualified, I hate that term, yeah. overqualified, that fully qualified individual who might be have a couple more years in on their passport yeah. than the rest of the folks? You know, I think when I've seen it um... – Play out many times over the years, or had conversations with hiring managers about it. I think there's two factors. One is uh, the human. See, now I'm coughing. The human nature of I'm the hiring manager, and I'm afraid to hire someone in who's going to show me up. So that, that right. that's that's a reality, and that becomes a personal, you know, sort of they have to self-reflect on that a little a little bit. Um, I, in the last several years, had a conversation with a hiring manager who was faced with several candidates. Um, you know, I had uh, this was a mid-level manager position um, that we were recruiting for, and so I, I, I gave the hiring manager, I don't know, let's say five, it was about five resumes or so. Hey, let's, you know, here's the here's the top folks, and you know, I, I think these are the ones we should look at, and as hiring managers tend to do, and then we have to re-educate them. Um, he went through the resumes and came back with, well, you know, this one, um, 
you know, seems to be job hopping a lot. You know, that's another bugaboo of mine. Oh, well, look, she's, you know, been here for two years and here for three and here for four. You know, I don't know. And then we had another candidate that you could just tell by the length of the resume um, was, you know, a, a little more fully qualified, let's say. Um, and that hiring manager's initial, you know, words out of his mouth were, well, you know, I, I, I'm sure that, you know, Bob here is going to probably, I don't know if I want to talk to Bob because he's probably going to be looking to retire in, you know, five to seven years. I'm, I'm basing this right. on, you know, kind of how old I think he is. I said, hold up a minute. First of all, um, you know, Mr. Hiring Manager, I've seen your resume and you've only held a job for two to three to four years. So the job hopping argument has zero anything to do with it. And conversely, so what if this guy and this, and Bob are are more, you know, fully qualified candidate? Um, wouldn't you be happy to get five to seven years out of Bob because our turnover tends to be X, and that would put him at, you know, higher than our normal turnover. So, you know, let, let's think this through. And by the way, Bob, you know, hiring manager, you're you're being a little uh, ageist right there and uh, jump into a lot of conclusions in your assessment. Yeah, and you know what? One more thing with this, Robin. Um, I, I can remember a time a few years back when uh, the age, ageism and being overqualified came up, and it was a matter of, well, if we hire somebody seven or eight years younger, we might be able to pay them less and et cetera. But we live in a world today where the dynamics of compensation have changed dramatically. We have yeah. lots of 25-year-old millionaires out there in the workforce. Yeah. Not, that, not that these jobs are, are seven-figure jobs, um, but certainly a lot of them are six-figure jobs, folks making um, nice incomes. And so the relevance of age to um, – I just think that we, we've – gotten to a point we, we we don't recognize the value of wisdom and experience mm -hmm. and that goes across mm -hmm. that goes across all aspects not just hr just all aspects of business yes it's mm -hmm. great that you have technical skills and that you went to the best schools and um you know and look there's a movement in some companies there's a reversal of instead of hiring the MBAs of saying, well, I don't really care if you have that much college. I want to know if you can do the job. Right, so right. who's to say that in a few years we don't come full circle? And with unemployment at a different place than it was five, six years ago, we actually may get to a point where um, older individuals are going to come back into the workplace. But I think it's going to be more Quite frankly, what I'm doing, a little bit more gig-oriented, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. project-oriented, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and on for all the for all the blasting we can do about um, some of the things that have trickled out of the gig economy, and some people not wanting to be in the gig economy, but they are. Um, I think one of the benefits that's come out of it is we, you know, you look back over the last. 10 years post-recession, um, and people were, uh, yes, people have been forced to, to, to go into roles that they didn't necessarily want, but we've also seen a lot of people 
I think, charting their careers on their own terms as well. It's giving Absolutely. people freedom. And, um, I mean, look, you, you and I are two examples. We've flip-flopped. Yes. You, were, you yes. were doing the consulting for a period of time. You've gone, and I don't want to be inappropriate, but you've gone not necessarily corporate, but you've gone back inside. Yes. And I yep, was the yep. corporate guy who was always at the fringe, and now I'm sitting on the outside doing the consulting. And quite frankly, yeah. because of my consulting, I have to believe that if I ever decide to go back inside, that my skills are that short, much sharper. And I'm sure that you feel yeah. today that what you're doing today is, is much more valuable and you're much more knowledgeable because you did what you did to get there. Yeah. So, again yeah. – you know, that gig economy, that older worker who's doing two or three different consulting gigs to make ends meet, they actually bring a lot to the table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I think really, you know, if you want to strip it down to why do people bring in consultants in the first place, why does company A bring in a consultant to work on a project or as part of a team for a longer time or whatever, is um, – it's that that outside it's that outside experience it's that broader experience it's that it's somebody who has not been institutionalized in, in tainted. one industry tainted or the one word. institution they haven't tainted. Been tainted yes exactly um, they, they don't they don't know, have a sweet tooth so. for Kool-Aid right <laughs> exactly exactly i mean so it it gets at it gets at the value of that model in the first place, um, which is why I think, you know, you think about the, the the myriad ways that over the years we've, we've when we've been in organizations and we've brought consultants in, um, we see that. We're bringing in that expertise, and it may be for a short term or maybe for a project or maybe uh, even a, a longer term sort of arrangement, but it's 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 that knowledge and it's that experience and that goes directly to those, again, those fully seasoned folks um, who can come in and do, do something and add, add value and have an impact right. quickly. And, and what you're seeing yeah. with, the, with the consultant of today versus the consultant of 15 years ago, when I first started heading an HR function, if we were going to use a consultant, we had to go to an Accenture or a Deloitte or somebody, a Boston yeah. consulting group, somebody, a named consulting organization, a big, big shop, lots of money. And quite yeah. frankly, sometimes we were getting the kids who were learning how to be consultants working on our projects. Right. Today, if you want a consultant, right. you go out and you find me. You find somebody like right. yourself and to come in at, a lot less money, although we'd like to make a little more when we're doing it, right. <laughs> but certainly a lot less money than the big shops, And but you get very, very fine-tuned service. You get what mm-hmm. you need the way you need it without all the fluff and stuff. So, right. yeah. you know. Now, yeah. th- another thing that I'm seeing in the workplace is we're talking about um, – uh, the you know the cycle of 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 um we're still dealing with overqualified 30 years later okay it's a little more yeah. prevalent the one thing we're seeing now that i haven't seen before is 
politics and religion entering into mm. the workplace, Robin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I have to tell you, I was at um, I was on a project over last summer at a gaming company in uh, Manhattan, and I saw mm-hmm. a bunch of folks. The dress code didn't exist. There was no dress code. Yeah. These were gamers, and they had on some very political shirts, and one of them hmm. was brandishing three buttons, and I can't say the F word connected to it, mm-hmm. but it said F, the president on it. And I thought to mm-hmm. myself, whoa, in my day running HR, that would be a no-no. So, yeah. I mean, you've and I know you've worked in the gaming, you've worked in the casino industry in the past and some interesting yep. industries. What are you seeing out there? And what do you think is causing all this stuff? The po- yeah, you think it's social I, um, media? And you know you what? Think We're it's... down to a minute. We're down to a minute. So I'm going to give a real quick answer because then I want you to be able to tell everybody where they can reach you. Um, okay. I think, I, I think that that is one of the <clears throat> we – we can do another show on this, actually. <laughs> think okay, about it. that's because fine. Because I think one of the, one of the disconnects is – and there is a, a, as much as I hate generational stereotypes, but it's understanding um, how things have changed, but yet how things – there are still perhaps certainly in some industries some absolutes that while the workforce is changing or how we work is changing, um, there are there are certain industries, certain workplaces where things are more iterative um, Everybody's not going to be able to come to work in one of those shirts. And we got 15 seconds left. So, Mark, quick, where can folks find you? Twitter, blog, Everybody can follow me. I am at HC3 on Twitter. They can follow me on LinkedIn, on Fistful of Talent and the Workology blog. And I hope to hear from folks in the future. And, Rob, and I love chatting with you. I, I'd love to come back and do another show at some point. We can talk um, politics and religion. We can really Sounds get into wonderful. it. Let's do so it. I, it's, Bye, it's great talking to you. Okay. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Bye.